0: Thank you, thank you. Good morning and thank you so much. Thank you, Peterborough. Thank you. I want to welcome you wherever you're watching us from, Cambridge, Leicester, online, whichever part of the world you're joining us from, welcome and God bless you. Have we had a good time? Are you enjoying the weather? I know it's hot and thank God because we're going to have a hot topic in here. A very hot topic, but it's my prayer that God's gonna be doing great things with us. Is it hard to be a Christian? Oh, yeah, thanks for the honesty. (laughs) It is. Listen, God desires that you and I, as believers, understand that everyone out there is looking at you and I. You're the Bible they will read. You're the pen that God will use to write his will, his love, his kindness into their lives. It's important that as believers we understand that daily God expects us to know that we are his Bible that the world is reading. The pen that he can use to write. The paintbrush that he can use to paint color into the lives of everyone we meet out there. As we've been looking at this book, at this chapter, Romans chapter 12, we've been looking at how we can become a radical community, not just in here, but even out there. Today... As you've had, I work out there, so we're going to be out there quite a lot. But I'm also not going to leave the staff who work in here because, hey, we all deal with challenges, whether out there, in here, everywhere. Have you been angry with anyone recently? Come on, you can say yes or no. If you say no, I want to come to your house. <laughs> Have you been annoyed with somebody at work? Have you felt that somebody cut you off because you're black, white, tall, short, fat, thin? Have you thought that maybe they're not inviting you because you don't fit in? I want to talk to you. I want to ask you some questions. Are you wondering whether this faith that we are laying ourselves before God, really, how is it going to work out there? How should I be able to get people to understand that God loves them and not feel like I've been left out, like I've been ostracized and cut off? We began this series by being introduced to the fact that God desires that we lay our lives as a living sacrifice in view of his mercy that he has put. We were then encouraged by Galia that we are to serve with our gifts as a radical community to serve one another and to serve in our teams. Simon came here last week and challenged us that we are to serve with love, that the flow of God's love that has flowed within us, that it should flow out, and that we should have open arms, open homes, that we should be open to one another. And today, we're going to talk about relationships out there. Recently, my wife was on a call. And when I say recently, end of May. She was on a call to a work colleague. This colleague had had something happen and I was trying to make out, what's this call, you know? Usually by 10 p.m. my wife's in bed, gone and out. This boy, she's praying for him. Well, she stayed on the call. I'm wondering, hey, girl, it's past your bedtime. It's midnight now, and she's still on this call. What's going on? And I just stayed up and waited. And when she finally came and told me, what do I tell him? How do I encourage him? How do I tell him not to feel bad? What had happened? The young man who just chosen a career to be a carer, had not been finding anything, had decided, let me come and become a carer, and and starts working. and uh, week three, he's going shopping to a supermarket, and this is not somewhere out there, no, I'm talking about east of England, I don't want to name the town, but in the east of England, he walks to the supermarket, and as he's going back with his shopping, happy that he's got some chocolate, happy that he's got something sweet, happy that uh, he's been paid, and he's, he's spending his salary to buy something for himself, somebody crosses the road. shouting at him obscenities telling him to go back to his country and slaps him and my wife asks Charles what do I tell him how do I encourage him do you want to listen to my words of encouragement do you want to listen to my words of encouragement I'm sure you will Romans chapter 12 verse 14 to 21 and I want you to listen to what I have to say. Speak blessing, not curse, over those who reject and persecute you. Celebrate with those who celebrate and weep with those who grieve. Live happily together in a spirit of harmony and be as mindful of another's worth as you are of your own. Don't live with a lofty mindset, thinking you are too important to serve others, but be willing to do menial tasks and identify with those who are humble-minded. Don't be smug or even think you're too, even think for a moment that you know it all. Never hold a grudge or try to get even but plan your life around the noblest way to benefit others. Do your best to live as everybody's friend, even that neighbor. Mm -hmm. Beloved, don't be obsessed with taking revenge, but leave that to God's righteous justice. For the scripture says... If you don't take justice in your own hands, I will release justice for you, says the Lord. And if your enemy is hungry, buy him lunch. Buy our lunch. Win them over with kindness. For your surprising generosity will awaken their conscience. And God will reward you with Favor. Never let evil defeat you, but defeat evil with good. <laughs> this week we've seen a man ostracized. A man condemned for saying, I chose to repent in line with my faith. This man was not even a believer. He's not a Christian, but he was told off. I looked at that and I said, wow. It's not just Christians who are being told, don't do this. But even non-believers who choose to identify with different faiths are being told no. It made me think and ask myself, God, if that's happening also to them, even us as believers, we have a responsibility to love all people. You and I, God's expecting us to love all people. To love all people. God's way is not the way of the Society. It's countercultural, it's counterintuitive, it's against what my flesh wants. You know, when you're angry, rage is fighting. You're angry, you're bitter, you're this. But God's way is not that way. Paul said, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. So that person's angry, it's not them that I should be fighting, it's the evil one. So don't look at that person at work, that person on the high street, that neighbor as the one. No, you're dealing with what is higher and you need to call it out. Shakespeare said to be or not to be. That is the question. And as believers today, we are constantly being asked this question. Will you be Christ-like or will you not be Christ-like? You know, when Jesus walked here on earth, he was the example from which we take from of how to be one who loves all people. My challenge to you today is on how we're going to love the world like never before. How we're going to overturn tables by showing people that we love them more than ever. Charles, how can I be Christ like? How can I be Christ-like in a world that doesn't want to hear me? Number one, be a blessing. Be a blessing. The best example we have in the Bible of being a blessing when everything is going against them is Jesus. Be a blessing. You know, in one of the Psalms, David says that when his enemies were sick, he fasted for them. Can you imagine fasting for that boss who's put you on the list for redundancy? I'm ready for your silence. Because I know you're thinking, really? Me, miss a meal for somebody who is not right now, not for me. Can you imagine? Fasting to pray for the health of the person that you've saved on your contact list as the outlaw, not the (laughs) in-law. You know, fasting and praying, Jesus is the example, the best example we have of what to do when others are mocking, when others are reviling, when others are throwing insults at you. The Bible says that as he's hung on the cross, as the crowds were busy saying that you, you, you said you're the son of God, get out there. You said you're so and so, come off it. He said nothing, number one. That, that makes me ask myself, wow, you, you, sometimes when people are throwing insults and they're, and they're abusing you, the best thing for you to do is just to keep quiet. And so Jesus hanging on the cross in the middle with one thief on one side, another thief on the other side, and, and, and one thief decides to join the crowd. And as he's joining the crowd, he's saying, yeah, 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 get off, get off this. At times I wonder if the thief was doing that because it was reverse psychology he was trying to put, so that if Jesus came off, then he would also be coming off with him. But as this thief was saying this, the other thief tells him, no, keep quiet. You and I are here because it's the right thing to happen for us. And as he's there, this other thief tells Jesus, Jesus, remember me in your kingdom. And Jesus opens his mouth and tells him point blank, I will remember you. You see, to bless is to invoke a blessing, to wish well for somebody. Here was Jesus in pain, 49 stripes, 40 stripes have gone through. He's been beaten, bruised, battered, nailed, and yet he could remember to say to this one, I will remember you. Ah. Listen to me. I don't know what troubles you're going through. I don't know who is smoking you. I don't know who is hurling stones at you. Whether at work, your neighbor, on the streets, or what's happening. But may you become like Jesus who chooses to say, I will remember you. That you choose to say, i remember you. I'll pray for you. How do I remember you? Pray. Bless. Don't just say bless you when they sneeze. No, bless them. Walk up to them. Let them know that you care for them. Let them know that you indeed you want to give of yourself to them. You hear they're not doing well, they're sick, or something's happening. Call them up and find out: is there anything I can help you with? Don't be there rejoicing, ah, you're sick. Ah, may you die. Ah. Because that's the natural thing, correct? I, 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 sorry, am I by myself here? Yeah? Isn't that the natural thing, that you're hearing somebody who is really being against you, like they're saying, oh yeah, please, let it be. <laughs> no! You should be there interceding. Oh God, let me be the one to intercede. You had them saying about a child, a child that is not behaving well. You should be there interceding. Father, we speak over that family peace and joy. it's my prayer that when you step into the office people see you as one who brings blessings, one who brings paradise. You know, Jesus told that thief, today you will be in paradise. Is it that when you step into the office do people look at you and think, here comes paradise or are they looking and thinking, my God here comes a witch. <laughs> Jesus was preaching the greatest sermon that was ever preached in Matthew chapter five. He had some wise words to say. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. Your ancestors, in Matthew chapter five, verse 44 to uh, 43 to 45, your ancestors have also been taught, love your neighbors and hate the one who hates you. However, this is what Jesus is saying. This is now the new rule. This is now the new way of living. However, I say to you, love your enemy. Love that boss that doesn't like you. Love that neighbor that's throwing down over your fence. Plant roses with the r- down. Bless the one who curses you. You know, to curse is to wish you doom. So instead of wishing them doom, you choose to bless them. You do something wonderful for the one who hates you, and respond to the ones who persecute you by praying for them. Can I ask you, your VIP list, is it your siblings, your children? Does it have your not so good outlaws? Does it have those who are not really people that you'd want anywhere near you? Let's be a people who bless. Walk up the streets and be a blessing. Tomorrow when you go into your office or wherever you are, you might say, Charles, I'm retired. You're bringing value. Let's not forget that work is not about going to an office. It's wherever you're bringing value, go and be a blessing. Blessing. Wake up and decide from today, I choose to be a blessing. The second thing, if we're going to be like Christ and to love all, is to be merciful. Top your neighbor and tell your neighbor, be merciful. Oh, though you're saying it is like, I know it's hard. Just, just tell them nicely, be merciful. The first thing about being merciful I want to talk about is that you should frame your associations with mercy. Now, it's easy as believers to only talk to believers. It's a weakness we have. It's difficult to have associations with people who are swearing, are constantly against you, are not for you, they're not doing things that you want but how should I be able to frame my associations? How should my work relationships work? Every morning waking up with a credit of mercy. Daily his mercies are new every morning so I wake up with mercy fresh for whoever I'm working with, whoever I'm relating with. Because if daily his mercies are new over my life, then daily I can give fresh mercy to somebody else because I am a recipient of mercy. I therefore can go and give mercy to the one that's not due mercy. Whenever my wife and I come to church here, we love walking. And as we're coming around here, we love looking at a photo. We're, we're looking at ourselves, really. <laughs> and, and we love just looking at it. And, and, and that photo is held by a frame. If the frame is removed, the photo falls, correct? Hey, if you remove mercy from being the frame of your associations as you step out, everything crumbles. Let mercy, let mercy, let it be the icing, let it be the ingredient, let it be everything. Secondly, mercy is forgiving. Mercy is forgiving. To forgive is to let go, to release from captivity. To pardon the offender. I'm going to say that again. Mercy is to let go. To release from captivity that person that you have decided, nah, never. Uh-uh. It's to pardon the offender. It's about canceling a debt. And the choice to forgive is driven by a choice, not an emotion. It's not how good my voice sounds. Uh -uh. It's you making the choice to forgive. You see, unforgiveness, animosity, bitterness, malice, if you look at them, it's anger that's at the root. And it doesn't go well. You see, a, a Mongolian proverb says, the mountain hurts a horse. But anger hurts a person. You might wonder, where did I get this? I have a Mongolian friend in Cambridge who's, after teaching me proverbs, <laughs> I have told him I'm not going to try and speak it in Mongolian. But he was telling me, Charles, when a horse is going up a mountain, it's the horse that is in pain, not the one who's riding it. But when you are angry, it's not the other person, it's you. It's you who is in pain Jesus while at the cross while in pain while in pain nails have gone through his hands gone through his feet lashed out beaten mocked Luke 23 34a begins by saying Jesus said father forgive them Stephen, when he was being stoned to death in Acts chapter 7, the last thing he says is, Father, do not put this sin on them. When Jesus calls us to forgive, it's for our good. It gets us off the hook. His call to forgive is not saying that what anyone did to us is okay. I'm not saying that that person that abused you, misused you, or did whatever, did right, no! But I'm releasing them to God for him to judge as he sees fit. I wanna read you a story that happened in the United States in 2015. On 17th June 2015, a young white man named Dylan Roof entered a church in Charleston, USA, where some of the members had gathered for Bible study. Though Dylan was a stranger, they greeted him warmly. However, he proceeded to take out a pistol and open fire. By the time he had finished, nine black parishioners were dead. Less than 48 hours after the shooting, some of the victim's families spoke at Ruth's first court appearance. Their words turned the watching world, I forgive you, said Nadine Collier, whose mother was killed. Wow. You took something very precious from me, and I will never talk to her ever again, but I forgive you. May God have mercy on your soul. Another of the victims who survived the shooting say, say that Dylan would still be welcome to their Bible study so that he could discover God's love for himself. Their response to such hatred had such a profound impact on many as one of the family members concluded, we have no room for hating. We have to forgive. The words of Martin Luther King Jr., darkness cannot drive out darkness. Light, only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. The cross is the place where you and I see the greatest exchange of mercy. Christ followers are people who are a radical community who walk in forgiveness. How do I respond to this, Charles? May I ask for the band to come? How should we respond? Today, I feel, is God commissioning us to go out to the world to be a blessing, to show mercy, to love all. We are going to respond at this moment. And we are going to respond <coughs> by fasting. Spending time to look within ourselves, to examine ourselves, to examine ourselves that we be right before Him. With every head bowed, every eye closed. Paradventure you're here and you've never received Jesus into your heart. As everyone else is examining themselves, am I carrying unforgiveness against anyone? Am I in need of showing somebody mercy? Uh, who do I need to bless? Go go through your, your life, your Monday to Friday, your Monday to Saturday, the people that you know you interact with. Who do I need to forgive? Who do I need to release? Who do I need to bless? Who do I need to show mercy to? Who do I need to be a blessing to? And as you're doing that, open your mouth and begin to speak blessing. Begin to declare God's goodness over them as you lay your life before him as a living sacrifice.